Hey podcast listeners, uh, this is your host Josh Kirkman, happily announcing a new episode today, uh, a follow-up with Mitch Rawlins in his van, north of the border, for me at least. Uh, this chat took place oh, towards the middle of the year, uh, when there was a bit more movement available between the states here in Australia, but um, a good one, a very long one, hour and a half of... Uh, of topics ranging from you know how he how he manages out at Snap at Ro- Snapper Rocks, um, a discussion around the Ben Severson uh, board sale that took place at the time, and um, yeah, a few other things that might get um, people people talking. Uh, in addition to that, I'm really happy to announce or to to kind of uh, put out there to you all that the Found Future Waves experience is now live for you to book. Uh, it's a pretty cool concept that Mitch uh, has come up with for uh, a big couple of days down at the Melbourne Wave Pool. Um, you're going to get a board, a hat, shirt, leash, hours and hours and hours of time in the Urban Surf Pool with the Found Boards team, which happens to include myself, but it also does include Mitch Rawlins, Jake Stone and Harley Board going to have Todd Barnes and Phil Gallagher there too to document everything for you. There's 51 tickets each day. Um, so if you want to do something pretty radical, learn from one of the very best riders who have ever jumped on a boogie board, um, then make sure you book your ticket now. Um, I will put a link to that uh, that product category on the Found Boards website into the show notes for this episode. But you know where to find it. Go to the Found website and book your spot because this thing's filling up fast and it's going to be a bloody good time. Uh, enough of that. Let's hear from the man himself, Mitch Rawlins, part two. Yeah, Mitch, I'm always right. Hey. <laughs> Welcome to another La Boogie podcast with Mitch Rawlins. Uh, we're sitting in his van here at Talabudra. Came up here for a visit. Helped just move a bunch of boxes in a storage shed. You always make me work when I come up here. Yeah, gotta get you to work. <laughs> How's things? Good, busy. It's been a good run, a little wave, so. I don't know, Josh. <laughs> you asked me to do a second podcast with you. That's not true. <laughs> um, let's talk about the waves. Uh, you've been getting a lot of snapper rocks recently, and over the last couple of years, there's been a lot of content from you out there. How are you managing to get so many good waves in a wave that's notoriously crowded with the best surfers in the world? How do you do it? All right, it it's more so the attitude going out there knowing that you're going to get dropped in on right um a lot um and then you just got to be you know the good thing about don't give all my secrets away (laughs) you need to give a couple for a podcast to be interesting though I think yeah it's just putting the time in you know like knowing that you're going to get dropped in on you know it's a long wave you you spend you know 
you can't go out there in half an hour and expect to get you know a full surf. You got to go out there mm. when it is pumping. You got to be out there from you know you know for hours to get mm. to get your fix. Um, and then it's knowing the lineup, knowing who's out there. It'd be you know a lot like pipe or any local lineup where you know the guys that you know there's this, you know certain types of guys. One that they're the best. So they always seem to be on the best waves. Mm. Two, they're big. So no, they're you big. Don't, you don't want to stuff around with those guys. <laughs> um, and three, the guys that, you know, it, 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 are just trying to get waves in between those two guys, you know, two types of surfers. And it's just putting in the time. There's no other way around it. Like, mm. you're going to get burnt. You know, even if you're on a surfboard, you're going to get burnt. Mm. So it's like, it, it's you know it's a, it's probably a little bit easier to burn a bodyboarder than it is to burn a surfer but they all do it to everyone so it's not a mm. it, it's just the most crowded lineup in the world you you can't get a more crowded lineup it's I impossible so. I mean yeah. I haven't I haven't seen it um and yeah you got to pick your days like I don't go out there when it's you know really fat and full and mm. um you just got to pick your times for when it's good on a bodyboard. But it seems like from my experience when I went out there with you, you've got, you you are a part of that top pack. Like it's fair to say that you, you know, paddling out, Mick Fanning starts to yell out to you, hey Mitch, what's going on? Like, you know, you, you have a, a, a respect out there and like a, um, you have your position in that lineup. There's no doubt about it. Oh, I, I just know them from growing up and surfing so much. So. Yeah. And a few of them I live with for for a long period of time, and then even the older guys before Mick and you know the like guys like Bruce Lee and that they were my team managers for Billabong when they oh, worked yeah. there. So you know they were the kind of the the heavier guys that kind of ruled the lineup then. And, mm. You know I, I I got along really well with him, so mm. that you know all those little things help. You know, yeah. So um and just you know not necessarily knowing your place but you know I you know don't agree with that all the time but it's more so you got to be crafty in tricky lineups like how how can you expect to go to pipe and get the wave of the day and sometimes you do and yeah. you're not even from there so yeah. you've got to be like you have to be crafty and you know it, it uh, the crowd moves around a lot the waves are moving around a lot and you mm. just you know you're only one or two paddles away from the best way of your life while the next guy next to you didn't paddle that extra stroke or didn't position mm. himself right and he can't get that way so mm. it's a game of you know little game of inches and mm. feet and knowledge you know sometimes that's mm. all it all it comes down to and then but the one other thing you know there's some other bodyboarders out there and they always have a hard time and they hate it um, and it's just not for them mm. you know just like pipe is not really for me anymore Oh yeah. When was the last time you were there? Um, I couldn't tell you. A long time ago, at least six, seven years ago. At least. Yeah. Um, I felt like when I was out there, it was like an endurance sport. Like you, like this whole that extra paddle, like it is just fatigue for a lot of these surfers. You know, like they kind of paddle against that current out at snapper for so long. And at least with us on bodyboards, we've got the we've got our fins on. We can paddle and kick, 
it's probably a bit of an advantage out there, isn't it, when there's a really uh, roaring current out the back there? Because a lot of these guys are just buggered, aren't they? A lot of these yeah, surfers. definitely. I mean, but they move faster than us. You reckon? Paddling. When they're paddling. So, less drag. Um, less drag. Um, but, yeah, you know, a lot of the times when it is the most difficult, there is no current. Yeah. Usually there's a, you know raging current that it breaks the packs up like, yeah exactly quick. so you're not really dealing with that crowd you're more dealing with the drop-ins yeah and it's funny you you'd probably say like at least from what i saw all of the pros and all of the good guys are on the peak and there's a nice community kind of out on the behind the rocket snapper and you're amongst that you know you've got the respect of all those guys but the drop-in doesn't happen there it happens down, you know, 40 metres later when you're about to exit the best barrel yeah. of your life and some arsehole burns you because they just either want to or they don't think you're going to make the barrel. Do you think... What do you think the attitude is there on that end of the line? Because they're not the pro guys. Oh, they're just kind it, of... It depends on the person. Like, sometimes yeah. they're just arrogant. Yeah. Um, they probably don't have the ability to get their own wave. Yeah. Um they see especially body border more so it's mm. easy to drop in on mm. um, but it does you know, I mean I don't, it, it doesn't cross my mind too much it doesn't deter me from going out mm. ever do you think it's the best wave in Australia like is it is it where does it rate for you or in your experience of waves in the world snap a rock oh it's fun and addictive yeah. when it's like going below sea level and just barreling you know, it's super addictive. Mm. But it's yeah, it's it's a good it's a good wave. Who are the bodyboarders that you really like watching out there? Who is it, who are your favourites to kind of see? I think the guy that I I, I always enjoy surfing with Lackey. I think he's real yeah. fun to surf with because we're on the same kind of sarcastic yeah you know wavelength to everything yeah regarding snapper yeah. But um, I think Ash, Ash Bryant, he's probably the best I've seen. Yeah. Um, he's really good, huh? He's real good. He why is, isn't um, he doing... Why where, Why didn't he do more comps or whatever? Because I, I, that was the first time I think well, I've surfed with him in that, years and, the, like, he just seems to be an absolute gun. Oh, he, he's super good. And then there's Joe, obviously. Joe's yeah. really good. Lackey's good. And then obviously, and Liam, Liam's really good yeah. out there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and when Winnie comes up, he he does really good, and mm. yeah, I think. Um, but Ash, he's just he's just a good solid rider. Mm. He's just yeah, he's practiced a lot, he's surfed a lot, and kept with it. Mm. With the wave itself, how how often out of a year? is this whole really low tide thing happening? You know, these real draining... Oh, it just, how often does that happen in it, your experience? Like, what would you say in terms of the year? Uh, well, it's just all bank dependent. If the bank is shallow and ruler edge, mm. like how you got to surf mm. it, then it, it's breaking at one foot. Mm. So you got you get day after day after day. So, it, you know, if... If it's like that, you, you get months on end of it. So you've had months on end of that? Well, this year we did. Yeah. 
So it's just why do you think that happened? What do you think the explanation is for that? Just, just when luck, you get or it, no? Just when you when they're pumping a lot of the sand around and there's not that much swell to to mm. mess the banks up, then mm. it just forms really well. Mm. Um, but yeah, you normally only get it normally handles one to three foot mm. really good. Mm. Um, any bigger than that, it'll disturb the bank up a lot. Yeah, and make it a lot more sectiony. But you know you you're gonna get one. Like I think to this year we had one of the best days that yeah. uh, that I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's cool. It's a really interesting. It was definitely a fun experience. I felt lucky definitely with the waves I got out there. Yeah. As a well, blow in, I felt like I got way more just, than I should. Yeah. It, it's just a fun wave, and once you get one, you kind of you know how to yeah to you know enjoy it more. Yeah. Uh, um, you another subject I want to kind of move on to. You kind of well, kind of linked to something you said, but like you were saying, you have to be crafty at a pipeline, like in your experience, to get that wave. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? You know that big air forward you did when everything kind of blew up for you. Was that a crafty wave? Like, did you manufacture that? Like, how do you remember well, that, that wave? How that came across? Yeah, it was just a it was a deeper it was a one, pretty mixed up. Pipes, well, I guess, mm. and it just felt like D-bar. There's peaks everywhere, yeah. so it, was, it wasn't like it was a hard wave to get. And it was, yeah, it's just a mixed up pipe, so it wasn't perfect. Mm. You know, you know when pipe is perfect, you know the pecking order comes in. I guess mm. a lot more. Um, well, not even pecking order. You just get what you can. Yeah, you know, you're not. There is other than for the you know Hawaiian guys. There's no one else is getting them really. Mm. Do you remember like of all the years you said it's not for you now, but in all of your history, I mean, how many seasons did you I go to Hawaii? Ten, maybe ten, probably yeah. back to back too, huh? Yeah. And like, were there any seasons in particular where you felt like you were kind of really getting a good feel of the of the pipeline waves? Like, no, never, never. I, I hate. I I did. Not, I didn't hate it. I just, it wasn't a place where, you know, you, there's, yeah, you just can't surf your best that pipe. You never, you don't have the opportunity. You can surf the best on the on the waves that you get. Um, it's so evident too because the only guy that's actually been able to, you know, really free surf out there is that I can see his mic mm. where he could express his talents mm. everyone else is getting a pit to a ramp maybe mm. but Mike's actually been able to surf it and do what he wants whereas you know even Ben who probably puts in the most amount of time he's still only getting barrels mm. he's not actually like taking off on second reef doing spin takeoffs you know yeah. spins in the pit and you know really ripping it you know yeah. it's just like He's doing what he can do on those waves, you know. Hub, on the opportunities hub, he gets. Hub's the same example. Like he's getting a, either a big, rip, big ramp or a big pit, and and that's about it. Mm. You know, I haven't seen one rider where you know, where I've gone. Oh, I can't do that. Mm. You know, I can do that if I could be bothered. Mm. But I'm not bothered to to go out there, and you know, because the waves that Mike gets, you're not going to get them. You know, it's unfortunate because it's the pinnacle of apparently the pinnacle of 
our sport is pipe. Apparently. Apparently. Why do you say that? Well, it's the it's a wave where every other wave's measured from. Mm. You know, but there's only been one rider that can actually surf at the wave. Mike does, and that's been Mike because obviously he grew up there, he lived there, and he's been there the most. Mm. But what's your opinion? Do you think that guys have ridden that wave to their full ability? I think it's interesting the way you've said that. I've never thought of it like that, and I think you're right to point that out. But I think what you maybe haven't seen in more recent years is how Tanner performs out there. And when Tanner's out there now, I feel like he is actually surfing it to its full potential. Like, he's trying out a lot. He's got the freedom and space to do some cool stuff out there in free surfing, I've noticed. So, it is interesting... But he's definitely someone who I think is getting yeah. the space to perform. And the he get the the riders are kind of moving away from, you know, the local guys allowing him to get waves. Yeah, I don't like know that. on the bigger days, but I definitely I've only had those kind of mixed up swells in the last few years. So I don't know about one of those big perfect days. Like I don't know where Tanner sits out there. Yeah. But I know that from what I've seen in those other days in between, he, he does rip it. Like, you yeah. know, he is... Oh, no, people, for what they've been given... Yeah. Killing it. Killing I feel like it. he's got but, the space, though. I feel like he's got but, that, almost that space you're talking about with Mike. But you're right, Mike's got that comfort level and that space, I think, to go, okay, I'm going to go this wave well, and then I, I rip it. I just don't... I mean, it'd be interesting to have his point of view, mm. I guess, to go, hey, do you have to fight for your wave still? Yeah, I don't think he does from at least so, watching like, him. So, like, I mean, the the difference is is that, like, obviously you've got to fight and be in position and, you know, get that. But if he is in position, is somebody going to drop in on him? No. Does he have that thought that somebody's going to drop in on him? Does no. he have that thought doesn't that like there's it. a guy next to him that he doesn't know that wants to wave or is he still going to go yeah. or is he going to second guess? I just kind of feel there's, you know, the performance level that Mike has produced at Pipe is by far and away hundred times better than what everyone else has done yeah like it, it's not even c- comparable mm. I mean he, I don't think he's done the biggest airs and biggest moves um, but in most of those waves that it have that they're not perfect waves they're just nah. like big big ramps and yeah big yeah. slabs you know um, I mean you you only have to look at like what Ryan was able to do out the box mm. you know he, he got the comfort level being able to do whatever he wanted to mm. that wave. Mm. North Point, you had the comfort level. You know, it's... Um, where do you have that comfort level? Where do you think, for you, is that wave where you feel supremely comfortable and able to do your best surfing? don't really have a spot because it, we, we don't have like a... It, I mean... Or in your years, has there ever been a spot where you were like... I'm feeling really in tune with this wave and I can do what I want on I think it. point breaks for me is where I've always yeah. feel like I can do, you know, I can get into rhythm a lot. Mm. And then in Canaries, I've had, I feel like I've got a good relationship with all those waves. Mm. That's just from putting the time in there? Just putting there? the time and they're just really well suited. Um, yeah, but I guess... 
yeah just probably those spots you know like um like even a Maury would you know I'm, I'm just really thinking comfortable there yeah, now that's what I'm thinking with he's another example isn't he of a guy that's got that mastery over a wave yeah and that that comes with you know that place being predominantly bodyboarders yeah you know so um yeah it, it's a tricky one because um yeah probably most bodyboarders are just kind of you know you know very good good to <laughs> you know they're good enough to surf a majority of waves around the world and feel comfortable yeah but you know there's some people that you know you know the Ryan the box in North Point and mm. a few other probably everywhere Ryan mm. um, but it, yeah I mean it, pipe was yeah different it's a different kind of a wave where mm. you know in comparison to snapper you know like there's there's a heavy focus on it mm. yeah exactly staying with pipe for a second I mean some of the more recent news kind of coming out and this is something you've been kind of discussing a fair bit um, on social media or kind of getting into a few little debates around but there is this kind of recent news about pipeline being kind of situated as this kind of international event outside of the world tour stuff this kind of one I won't call it a world title because the IBC guys are going to be still doing that world tour but this idea of this one big event crowning a champion like what for the record or for everyone who's listening like where's your thoughts on this competitive question and and particularly since the COVID-19 this pandemic you know like what yeah. what do you think the competitive future looks like I think, for bodyboarding in reality like what's your realistic take on it now I think it has to be one event only yeah it, it cannot stretch past that like not now it didn't work in the past um even in those IBA days though when you were like it, no, doing the tour they, they, it's all well and good for those guys to put on those events and it's you know great but for the vast majority of riders yeah you know, they spent all of their own money. Whereas, like, say, the from a judge's point of view, they're paid to go there and judge. Yeah, but you're saying even on those IBA, like the golden era of the modern bodyboarding age, which you'd say is that little moment, was it like 2011 till 2013 when there was a bit of money? The yeah, IBA, I think, even, like, was that still even a stretch? Like, how yeah, many of sure. the, like, how I, many of the riders could actually afford to do that tour then? Like, I think in one year, I might have got maybe third or something like that I overall overall and I won the box got third in Mexico or something the yeah, third yeah Puerto Rico quarters things like that I don't, I'm not too sure but you know I spent more money than I won still so, even with still, good results and finishing third good, yeah so still wow I don't know it was I, I had a fairly decent year Mm. You know, so it was never, you could never, you relied on your sponsorship money. Yeah. I even see it now, you know, like, they talk about a lot of these top riders still now, which, you know, and they're, they're top riders, obviously, but they're still dragging... I kind of feel they're dragging the rest of the 
astray because the two are astray because you know there's only maybe five to ten guys you can correct me if I'm wrong that yeah. follow the whole tour all year that go to every event or is there more probably a touch more but I think like how many of those can truly afford to do it is yeah. the question okay and then there's how many can truly afford to do it yeah but then there's how many of those if there's more than ten if say there's twenty riders that do every event yeah how many of those riders can win the world title oh yeah well, it's down what, to what do you think Oh, what do you mean, can in terms of the points or can in terms of their ability? Ability. Oh, I'm a bit of a fan of anyone. Any, any dog can really have their day. But, but I'd take say... Take that away from it and just go... And, and based off records... Yeah, I think you can see that there's probably five to eight who are... Yeah. Five who are guaranteed to be kind of in the top bubble. That's what I would think. Yeah, and then there's eight who you'd say, I wouldn't, I wouldn't write off that eighth person as being able to have a couple of good wins. Like, but, I mean, you get wild card moments like Sammy Moratino in 2019. Yep. Out of nowhere. Yep. Became a full-on world title contender until the very last event. Yeah. But and that, that was out of nowhere. So, you know, you've got these outliers that, like, he really just something clicked for him that year yep. and he just, and he deserved all of the, all the, all of the glory. If he had won the world title, it was completely justified. Yep. But it was definitely the year before he wasn't in that bubble. Yeah. So yeah, but I'd say there's probably eight or five five definites and then, you know, a few others who you wouldn't discount. Yeah, so I'm, yeah. my my kind of thinking on that is like if there's only realistically between 0 to 10 yeah. riders that can win a world title. Mm. Why are we creating a world tour mm. to cater for 0 to 10 riders mm. around the world that mm. can actually Talent wise, mm. financial financially, mm. you know, that they can chase it. Mm. And creating such a mess yeah. for five riders that more I'm gonna say five. I don't I think it's five. That's your call. I That's, reckon there's definitely up to ten. Like Louis finished right now. Yeah, Louis finished tenth and I wouldn't write him off as someone who okay, th- those if everything guys, clicked for yeah. him in a year he could win a world those title. guys they they have the talent and yeah. the skills to win a title mm. not in a competition though not the way the judges judge oh yeah I've got probably you know from my looking at it from the outside right now mm. is the people that follow to the, the judging criteria to a T and that's Pierre that's, um, you know, I think Tristan's unbelievably got the world title, but he probably doesn't follow it as much as what those other guys do. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Ian follows it. Yeah, they know. They know how to. Fo- they yeah. know how to compete for sure. Yeah. Um, Maury, when he when he when he's doing it, I just think that that they're creating a huge. So what are you saying though? You're saying that like, what I'm guess I'm paraphrasing you a little bit and correct me if I'm wrong. But are you saying like they may as well just do a world tour for eight people, and no. actually have them compete against each other? Or no, that what I'm saying is that like they're creating a whole world tour for five to ten people. Yeah, and everyone else is and there. everyone's just getting dragged into a shitstorm. It, it's fun. It, it's yeah. unbelievably fun. But why don't bring all the best riders? And best riders, best competitors, 
into one event instead of dragging that five to ten people around the world around the whole world to create a world champion Mm. because basically then all the other people outside of that bubble the five to ten that I believe Mm. they don't have a chance Mm. they just don't they might in one event he's saying I don't have a chance (laughs) Do, do do you have a chance not in a world to uh I think I think you need to be bodyboarding every day and focusing on it a hundred percent to get it there. I, I'm, yeah. I'm saying, so no, my no, answer is no, I don't have a no, chance. No, only context. over a period of five or six events, no, but in no. one event, maybe. Yeah, I think I could have my moment in one event for sure. So that yeah. that's that's the difference. You're gonna bring if you can bring everyone to that one event mm. where they can perform their absolute best that mm. one time, you know. It's going to the performance levels in that event. Even if you're Pierre who bows out in in the quarters, mm. he's probably had to surf his brains out in that quarters to even get try out. to get through. Yeah, yeah. So that level is just going to get go higher and higher. Yeah. Even if it even if it is that every dog has its day thing, that mm. guy is going to be surfing better than everyone on that day. Mm. Mm. And that's got to be pretty damn good. Mm. So my, I I just I get pretty passionate about it and. Mm. It pisses me off that, you know, that the top riders or whatever, the, you know, the peak body of bodyboarding is dragging the rest of everyone around for mm. the sake of five to ten people. It but doesn't a, make sense. But, I mean, I think the other side of it, and I'll just be the devil's advocate on behalf of the IBC and they won't like me speaking for them, but there's promoters who want to put these events on and they want to drag... They want to drag the best riders to those events so they can make a big spectacle for bodyboarding. So what do they do in the in this example of just going, okay, we're going to have one world title decider, which funnily enough is what the WSL is kind of doing. You yeah. saw the shift that they did where they're doing, a, they're doing a tour, half the guys fall off that tour like midway and then it's reduced down to even fewer guys, I think, and then yeah. the final eight go and have this surf off at an undisclosed location to crown a world champion um they're kind of talk they're doing what we're almost talking about here like what what is it that um what do these promoters do that have these other events around the world like what are they meant to do with these events in your opinion in my opinion is that why are they doing it what's their motivation what's their motivation probably money what like who's you know the promoters do they make money or something so you talk I'd assume they do okay well or you'd hope they would I I think the easiest way to answer is like no one is watching except bodyboarders okay like I I, it's we're, we're not a sport where the outside generally the outside public they're not taking notice Mm. Anyone but bodyboarding, like surfers, even surfers, do not take notice. Mm. They're not taking notice of us. So why do we need to drag everyone around, like I said, mm. five to ten people to watch them win a world title when no one's watching us except us? Mm. So why do we need to be this look legitimate, legitimate to everyone else when no one's watching us? Mm. Like no, like no one is knocking on our door going, hey. We see what you're doing. We're going to do it, be a blanket sponsor for the tour this year. Mm. I don't think anyone's capable of even putting a proposal together to get a blanket sponsor <laughs> right now. Mm. 
so my my th- my thing is that like okay these guys want to do these you know bring a big spectacle and you know it's that's you know it is nice to do all those things you mm. you want to do those things you know make it look great but no one I just kind of feel no one's watching us so why why do we need to impress anyone when mm. we can do it ourselves and Im- impress ourselves and you and you think that this having this one big event but, and look this is like you know within the context Mike Stewart who has the permit for Pipeline in 2021 yep. is talking about and I'm working with him on this to yep. make a big event at Pipeline to attract everyone to that one event yep. now is that in line with what you think is the best way forward I think it should be roaming I, I'd like yeah, to see yeah, it roaming too. like I think I think Pipe can definitely all these events can happen around the world mm. but one event needs to be like okay this year we got a chance to go to Fronton mm. and make that the world title event, event. Yeah. you know Pipe's still going to happen Yeah, Eric is still going to happen if you want to go there all these events are going to happen but make it so like we're not just you're not just involving five to ten people that can win this world title mm. which probably comes down to three to five mm. when we're going <laughs> to be you know who's who's the, who's the, what's the last five world title champions they're all bloody South Africans Tristan okay. Tristan yeah. Jared Ian so I mean I, Pierre I don't know Pierre then Jared I just I feel like imagine if you can like a week or two week long event uh, even at Fronton I, I love the Canaries you do I just love it yeah and I think everyone does oh yeah I love it too it's an amazing way so and if imagine a, a two week long party yeah I'm a fan you know? I'm a fan and I just feel that like you will see the best performances we've ever seen hmm. and then once that builds and you get a good product maybe someone We'll look in eventually, maybe. Mm. You know, but we don't need people to look in. Well, I just look at football as my example when I have this same discussion. Like, I just look at the World Cup of football, soccer for other nationalities, and they wait four years to crown a world champion team every four years, and that's the biggest sport on the planet. Yeah. And they don't even do it every year. No. And yet we, as a very small, very small niche sport and most of the mainstream would barely even recognise it as a thing, we have a world tour and and we insist on this idea of this world tour which is way too expensive, completely cost prohibitive, yet we can't see that football, which is a huge sport, actually waits four years to crown a world champion. They could do a world they could do a World Cup every year in football. They really could. They could have qualification in the early part of the year and then a world championship at the end. And yeah. it would sell out every year. Yeah. And I, I mean, and they don't even do that. So it's like, I don't understand. And look, I don't, I, I, I think the guys that have won the world titles of the last few years that I've been involved are legitimate world champions. But I also recognize that, you know, like, I know there's a lot of guys who, the, those kind of lower end body riders on the tour who are happy to not see the best guys there. Like I know some guys are happy to not see Amori turn up to an event, whereas I want Amori at the event. Yeah. Like I, I want the heat. I want to heat with him. Like I yeah. want to get beaten by him or 
yeah, get one exactly. up on him. And I just think there's this idea. I think there's a lot of guys um, today who only care about being able to put on a resume that they won a world title, regardless of whether there was even the best guys in the world there. Yeah. And I think it's obvious that you know you look at guys like Joe Clark and you, and and just from the Aussie perspective only, there's so many guys here that could still be competing on the world tour or in a world championship event and they're not there so it's like it, there's a lot lacking and I'm sure this is happening in other countries a lot of Hawaiians who don't compete there's a lot of um, South Africans probably who aren't competing on the world tour that, that could yeah. be there so for me I just I would just love a day when there's just every great rider on on board to compete for that world title yeah. that's the one I want to win Yeah, I don't want to I win the it, other one I think that's the uh only way forward yeah I think everything else is like pointless uh, you know you, they're not gonna there's not enough sponsorship out there for the riders to to have these events all around the world especially now mm-hmm. I think you know even even if you were to look at the WSL there's realistically only probably the same vote five to ten riders that can potentially win a world title yeah it's funny do you think it's the same thing up there it's like the there's just thing. a bunch of guys who are just not really in the game but no they're not on they're not on the same level as the top guys they're just mm. not and that, that's that's alright if they're they can still compete and have enough money they and have not a salary go broke, and stuff yeah you know but once again like they can do that that tour yeah they can travel and they're, they're not going backwards yeah but if they would only have one event, which I think that's what they're going to do, if you mm. make the cutoff, yeah, you know, so they might have twelve riders and only one's going to win it after one event. Mm. So, you know, that any dog can have his day thing comes fully Back. into effect. Yeah. Like, you know, so, but then you know, you know, it it, it just needs to happen. This tour, this tour, is a is a is a false dream I'll be the devil's advocate on behalf of some people and I'll look at history when I phrase this question but you came really close to a world title in I was in the heat that you got knocked down in um, at Pipe when Ben won his first world title you came very close that day yeah Um, you obviously came pretty close as well when you finished third that year that was probably a year where you were like is there any for you, some people listening to this conversation might go, well, Mitch wants one big event so Mitch can have a chance at winning the world title yep. that he never got. Is there bitterness from you about those near misses in the past? Like, are you still cut up about them? Or? No, no, I, I don't. It doesn't. Those years, definitely, it wasn't my focus. Like, I, I think I'd be a lot more focused now doing oh, yeah? competitions. Yeah. Um, you know, I wasn't... I mean, that heat with... I think Ben ended up winning. Yeah, we were in the heat. Me, I mean, you, I Ben and Cedric Defoe. I don't even think Ben won an event that year. No, he didn't. And, I mean, it, it just wasn't like I had... Like, uh, like I think that year, you know, I had a, I was younger, I had a girlfriend at the time yeah. over there and yeah. I wasn't surfing like it, it just wasn't something like I wasn't as focused as like someone like you know 
Pierre and all these other riders. I, I just wasn't there. Like I was, yeah. I wasn't, you know, doing heat drills. Like when Kingy won, he was doing heat drill after heat drill yeah, after yeah, heat yeah. drill. I never, I never did that. You know, so I, I can't go. Oh, I should have won this. I should have won because I didn't put in the time like yeah. those world champions did. I mm. just never did. They, but then again, like those guys didn't produce four films. They didn't get, mm. you know, they weren't on every single photo shoot opportunity. Mm. You know, like I was everywhere. Like mm. they were just competing. Mm. You know, they they didn't do all these free surfing trips. They didn't, mm. weren't going different places. So, you know, my chance to win it there, you know, I didn't put myself in the best possible chance to win it. Mm. I think you kind of got that win at Maui and you kind of suddenly became like you suddenly elevated yourself to a contender. Yeah. I don't know if, and I think that's maybe an interesting thing. Like it wasn't like we were all, cause I think I remember like we weren't all like going to Hawaii knowing who was in the world title race. Yeah. We were going there for two more events and Maui was first and then Pipe was second. Yeah. So then it kind of became apparent in Hawaii who were the contenders and who weren't. Yeah. And so, yeah, so it's kind of interesting because, yeah, you were suddenly, I think you were coming first on the rankings going into pipe after Maui. So it was only like two weeks earlier where you jumped into first place. Um, yeah. And I and I think like then if you didn't, because I think there was only three events that year. There would have been four. Maybe four. Shark Island, Sintra, Maui, pipe. I yeah, think uh, I'm not sure. I think there was only three. Oh, really? But you know, it wasn't like if you didn't win the first event. Mm. Like I know I wasn't looking, going, okay, I didn't win this. I got to win this one and win yeah, these points. Yeah, like you yeah. just even now, like if you don't win the first event, it's like you're not assured of that next event if it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like fuck. Like, am I going to focus? Like, yeah. what do those guys do? Those top three to five but you know there, there definitely is like if there was a, one event that could crown a world champion I would be make myself in peak physical performance mental performance to perform the best I can in that one event mm. I, I don't see myself chasing a tour around so for mm. me 100% one event would be and I think that would be the same even though Jeff's been world champion six, seven times, whatever. I guess five, I think. Five. No, three times. He's been three, world champion three. So five times pipe. He would put himself in that position. I yes. Think, yeah. I think Ben would put himself in that position. I think yeah. he could convince Ryan to compete Yeah. in that. I think even Kingy. I reckon Kingy would. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon he'd, he'd have Look, a good thing about it. You know, like it. guys that you wouldn't think would still be interested but not interested in flying around the world, doing all these events, and spending money that they they don't have. Mm. It's just, yeah. I just well, I think there's also the opportunity on this big one big event idea is that you could actually also have like a Masters World Champion. You could actually have that division for people over the age of forty or over the age of fifty who want to compete at Pipeline or compete for a World Champion. Like you could get. You could get Ben Holland, you could get Bullet, you could get... You know, these guys might just take the holiday. Like Matt Riley, for example. Yeah. You can't tell me he wouldn't pack, like, yeah. okay, we're going to go to Hawaii oh, for three awesome. weeks. Yeah. Like, yeah. he would do that. I imagine that 
yeah. Matt Riley would totally do yeah, that. And it'd be amazing. Could you to see. Like, and and then that wouldn't. Then and then maybe other guys from other countries would definitely yeah. look at that and go, and then, and, you know, I'll, I want to be there. And like, and yeah, I, for me, that's really where it's at. And I think that the industry, because no one's looking at us. Yeah, you like to repeat this one. Because <laughs> nobody, nobody's like, looking at no us. No one's looking at us yeah, except sure. us. Yeah. So we're just so, looking in the mirror. So everyone in the industry that is part of bodyboarding, you know, helps put this event on. Whether mm. it's a thousand US, yeah, per person, per company, yeah. What 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 can hurt there? Mm. You know. Like I, I don't understand. Like I mean, I, I know, I've thought about it, mm. and obviously everyone has different business models and different plans, and that causes bitterness in the industry. In the industry, I think, and you know, resentment and all these different things. But you know, still providing for that peak event in mm. the year is still a good thing to do, no matter mm. what someone else is doing down the down the line mm. all chipping in all chipping in just mm. I mean and that would create enough money to run these events the way they need well, to be well my, my theory also is that if you had one big event that was marketed from by on all sides you could actually attract a big sponsor to that because it would attract way more interest even just within bodyboarding I think yeah. you'd have like a really big focus on it but um no, I just wanted to get you on the record about that question because it is something that's coming up, you know, and with, but I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it, now that this pandemic has come along, yeah, that just completely ruined, destroys a world tour in your opinion too, doesn't it? Well, it's just, well, look at this year. It's, it's not happening, yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's created more uncertainty I guess mm. for how they're, they're going to pull it off um, mm. yeah and like moving people around the world for yeah I just I just can't get over that a world tour is centred around zero to ten people mm. I just don't get it like I can't it was al- it always almost has been that way mm after the first event because yeah it is it know, is yeah because so, the numbers all balance out yeah you know, but you do have guys who are like you know like I know that for me those world tours have been less about winning and more about surviving so like when you don't when you're not in that top 10 yep. you're in the back you know 14 and the cutoff's 24 and you're like shit I need to I need to not finish 25th this year yeah. So you know, it becomes like a a game of survival. So I know that there are there are different motivations when it comes to it. But, but, but yeah, I mean, then it's just like, why do we? Why are those people fighting for a position? Hmm. You know, I I just can't. Yeah, I I just I don't under I don't understand it anymore. Hmm. On to another subject, something that you probably do understand, and and it's an interesting one. It's very kind of current news. Um, you're a guy with a board brand. You're a guy that has now launched a wetsuit brand. You can see it in the background. Um, that's all kind of happening. And you're also a professional rider. The auctioning of the Ben Severson boards has just taken place in the last... When we record this, it happened maybe last week or yep. the week before. How do you look at this phenomenon 
or this outcome. Um, I mean, there's a lot to unpack around it all. Yeah. But like, what are your first impressions of it? Like, somebody spent eleven thousand US dollars on a on a board. What does that make you? What's the first word that comes to your head when you think about that reality now? Uh, well, who we, who who bought it? We still don't really know. Does no one know? Nah. Uh, James McQuaker was the person who got the winning bid, but it turns out that he isn't the buyer. He was doing it on behalf of someone else. Well, he's from... He's from Ballina. Ballina, yeah, yeah. So he's... he. How much was he That's bid? That's like $15,000 Aussie. He bid at $15,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, 11000 US. That was the final winning bid. But, like, what are your thoughts on the phenomenon? Like, how do you process that as a guy that's got a lot of um, experience as a writer in the industry, as a brand in the industry, as a as a person who understands the history of bodyboarding? Like, how do you... What do you think of that reality? 11,000 US dollars. Yeah, I mean, I, it blows me away that someone has enough interest in it. Like, I've never seen that type of interest. Yeah. I mean, I think now, like, people struggle to buy a bodyboard at $450. It's like a big, it's a big problem. Yeah. And having someone bid or pay $15,000 for one board, Mm. yeah, it blows me away. Like, I, I just don't know, like, where do they, where do they get their um, what you know when yeah just I, I don't know how to process it that well because I just don't know what he see what value he sees in that board well then so this is what I'm getting at like you therefore don't see that value in that no, board no not at all yeah they don't I mean the, the the only positive thing I see about the BZ is that they, they were pretty unique with the slick yeah. But other than that, like, rubbish. <laughs> it, it, but what it about, like, I mean, people talk about the transitional rail, te- like that kind of design approach yeah. that Ben Severson did. I mean, obviously it's about more than just the board's functionality. <laughs> obviously it's because it's Ben Severson's board. Like, so what's this mean for bodyboarding, in your opinion? Like, that there is this willingness to pay such oh. a high amount. What does it mean? Uh, I think someone's made a big mistake. <laughs> he made a big mistake. That's all. Like I, I can't. Like I can't. Um, I mean, wouldn't wouldn't you rather just go if 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 okay if that is the case then imagine like they're they're buying the board but you're saying. The board's not worth fifteen thousand dollars. It only because someone bought it, it's worth fifteen thousand dollars to him. To That's everyone what happens else, in auctions. Yeah, yeah. To everyone else, that board I wouldn't pay. I wouldn't pay a cent for. I just wouldn't pay it. That's me personally. Because you're not a collector. You're no, not no, that way inclined. No, well, I collect different things, but you know, I'm not going to go out and go. Okay, that, I'm going to pay fifteen grand for this board. I wouldn't pay a thing for it. What I would pay though, is that. If I had the opportunity to, like, say, for example, 
you know, I had the opportunity to go away with, I've done it before, so it's kind of not the best example, but say for that guy that bought that board for 15 grand, whoever this madman is, <laughs> you know, um, and he goes, and, and Mike Stewart goes to him, look, we get a 15 grand week, I'm going to take you surfing for 50, you know, for a whole week hmm. and have this hell experience. I can see value in that. Hmm. You know, I, I listened to a podcast with Mark Healy once and he's charging... There's people that pay over a hundred thousand dollars for an experience with Mark Healy. Towing in on big waves. No, to do free diving, diving, surfing, uh-huh. just his full experience. But this guy's just bought a board for fifteen grand. That was four hundred dollars. It's retail value is four hundred to make it. I mean, back then I, I have no idea what what it would cost to make that. It, I mean, it's, um, it, he's an anomaly. It has to be like okay. Well, it had well. There is one way we can test out that theory. Yeah, is you know, Mike. It's pretty well known that Mike Stewart has a lot of his old boards yep. in storage. You've actually got one of his yep. Max Seven Sevens, which I mean, is it the one that he did the Rolo on at Pipeline? Is that the story? Unconfirmed. unconfirmed. Okay, but, we, but it, is I mean, it Mike Stewart? It, it, it's um, yeah, it is unplugged, and we I can ask him. Yeah. I did ask him, but he he wasn't sure. Okay, but so it's a Max Seven Seven that was say that it was, <laughs> but it was gifted to you when you were riding for Mike. Well, I had a few boards that he gave to me. He gave me heaps of different things like that, and you know, it wasn't something that he looked at that was going to prof. You know, he wasn't looking at it going. Oh, I'm giving away fifteen thousand dollars here. No, I rode the boards too because they're fun to ride. Yeah, you know, um, it's confusing because yeah I, who is it? You do, no one knows no one knows still and we won't know and you don't oh know. I'm going to try and find out like I think it'd be a really good interview to talk to that person about what their motivation yeah. was what was going through their heads but I just think it's interesting to hear from you so you're just I saying can't, I could, can't imagine that James McQuaker mm. yeah he is, what, did, what was his bid on it no, he's already he was the winning bid, but when I I sent him a message and I said, and what was his winning bid? Fifteen thousand, like the eleven thousand. He US. was going to pay that. No, he's paid it on behalf of someone else. It's not him who's made the bid, but he was the one doing it online. It's an anonymous winner. Only James McQuaker knows who the winner is. So he was just doing it for someone. He was a proxy. So that's that's what's happened. He's been the one doing the bidding, but it's someone else's money. So we're yet to know the identity of so this. It mightn't even be true. Oh, somebody's paid the money. How do you know? Well, that's the deal. I don't know. We'll, we will know. Yeah. But um, I I just think it's an interesting thing that like for me it's a, it's it's both. Well, a, Mike should put up his boards and see what what he can. Well, that's get. how we'll know if yeah. it's an anomaly or not. And I mean, but then let, let's assume that there is this market for these boards and there is this collectible desire. What does that mean for the sport? And how do you, like in terms of growing the sport? Like, because to me, it just means that this sport is screwed because it means everybody cares about a bygone era and these idols of their youth yeah. from the boom days of bodyboarding, yeah. there's a huge appetite for more of them. But the guys today who 
like are trying to come up today, there's zero chance for them to actually build a real career. The only way I can see, like, the question I ask myself is, how do you connect the the fervor for that nostalgia with the the necessity of growing a sport today? And that is, you auction off these boards and fund the sport of today with the proceeds. You don't pocket them. Which yeah. I don't know. I don't know if Ben Severson had a great financial need. Of course, um, it's his prerogative. They're his boards. He can sell them for whatever he wants. Um, but you know, my own opinion on it is, well, shit. There was a good opportunity to fund bodyboarding to actually use to leverage this VBC crowd who clearly have money. They've got jobs. They've got income, and it's been really hard to activate them. Yeah. Um, to grow the sport, um, to me, there's a connection point there between the two that could be used. But you know, at the end of the day, they're his boards, just like these are your boards. Yeah. You can sell them for what you want. But that's where my mind goes. Like, how could that have been used to actually grow the sport? Maybe Ben's thinking about donating a bunch of money to some events. I don't know what his motivation is. But I think it's interesting. Like, it's it's definitely something that, if it's real, it's a huge opportunity. If it's Pointed no, in the right I direction. Just, I don't think it's real. You don't think it's real. So what you're, you would, you would, you would gamble that, um, if Mike was to do the same thing, do you think there won't be the same response? Do you think this was just a one-off madness? It's hard to say. I think a pandemic-driven madness. Yeah, I think if um, they did get that, which I, I think it's unlikely. I don't believe it now. The more I think about it. Okay. Um, but if Mike cannot get triple that, then that's like there's an imbalance. Yeah, well, that's the other question, right? Like, so if Mike yeah. Stewart does it, you would everyone would expect that his boards would be worth way more than Ben Severson's. Well, you look at the look at the career he's had. I know. I, yeah, yeah. I don't know Ben that well. I know, I know that he was, he grew up in the time when bodyboarding was at its peak. Mm. But Mike's gone every single generation. Yeah, he transcends. And kept going. Yeah. He is in tune with what Tanner McDaniel's doing. Yeah. You know, from from my perspective. Um, so you'd be expecting if Mike was to auction off, you know, any board, ha- you'd expect three times more. They'd have to. So that means that, like, by that logic, if it yeah. was like the, you know, maybe it's the first board Mike won a world title yeah. on... More a classic, not really necessarily rideable, but definitely something you put on your wall. You're saying that would be thirty thousand US dollars in yeah. a bidding war. It'd have to be. Yeah. Really interesting. I mean, what's your? I mean, you mentioned. I think you already mentioned on Instagram that you were up for auctioning off your one from Mike yeah. and just putting it towards the pipe comp. That's like a legit offer. Yeah. Okay. So I did that, but there's no real response well I think it needs to be packaged up more I think people just need to understand it and see it and you know have a look but but that's a real well, thing it's Mike Stewart's board yeah but I you've mean, got I, it and I, you're yeah. gonna you're willing I mean, to put that out there even even before this like I spoke to Mike and because of all the the um, I think it was in Kyama and he goes you're welcome to sell it hmm. so even that James McQuaggar who collects them hmm. he didn't buy that board hmm. he didn't want to buy it Mm. That Mike Stewart board. What did he know that you had it? He knew I had it. Ah. People have seen it. Mm. People, even Mitch Hall, 
he borrowed one I had of Mike's and that got stolen. <laughs> he got so he left it in the car park. So Did he really? Someone's got that Fucking board. Hell. That was a really fun board to ride. Yeah, right. Um But the the Yeah, I, I yeah, I can't Do you believe it? It happened. It like, happened. You know, you, like and and but, as I said, my only reservation about it is a, I've got, like, ethical considerations. Like, you know, I guess for me, I'll just say what I really think. Um, I think that it's an it's really vexing for me because I've got a lot of respect for Ben Severson and his contribution to the sport. Like, he definitely is one of the icons of the sport. He definitely played a huge role in um, being a you know, a role model to so many people over the years, yeah. also someone who dr- really but, drove design. Like, but like I think like, he did a lot of good design stuff. I, mm. like, for, you know, in saying that, when I started moving through bodyboarding and mm. you were in exactly the same time, mm. Ben was gone out of the sport. Yeah, there wasn't anything really from it him. It was though. only, Mike was still there and there was a few other riders, but for the most part, he... He wasn't in the sport anymore. Well, he was doing BSD for a while there. When I was at Grom, yeah. maybe it was late 90s when he did Ben yeah. Severson designs. And those boards kind of did blow up for a while there. And it was cool to see him yeah. take control of a brand and all that. And it, they were very different boards. Yeah. Like, they were very, very unique. Yeah. But, yeah, he, he. but I think he's probably... I think um, maybe a Hawaiian person might say that he was more involved in Hawaii. Yeah, it's Hawaii. But, like, internationally, for sure. But... But I was going to say, like, for me, it's just... Maybe it's because I'm a bit of a lefty who likes to... Who sees a problem and who wants to share the love. For me, I would have felt way more comfortable with this auction if it was... If a good chunk of it was going towards developing grassroots bodyboarding in Hawaii or if it was funding um, the pipeline competition or... You know what I mean? I I just feel... That'd be awesome if, if, if you can do leverage those types types of boards well it's 30,000 it's estimated huge, to be about huge amount of money you know yeah, it's so like 20 grand 20,000 US what's that I think that's how much was my estimation is it must have been around over 20,000 no, US dollars 15 Australian no total all the boards oh you got from Ben Severson's oh, quiver yeah 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 okay. so like it's actually quite a lot of money yeah so yeah like yeah you'd have to think that you just that just Mike would just have you'd have to test it out, I guess, like to yeah to see who yeah, how many people were bidding on it. Heaps. It was pretty wild watching it. Like it was. You fucking, could watch it live. Yeah, because it's on Facebook, and you could just see who was bidding and stuff. Like, and it was really well done. I think I think part of the reason why it was so successful too is that you know there were these really well shot, um, like one minute video clips, two angles, Ben mic'd up talking about the board yep. and saying like this is board number you know yeah. three or something like that and this is the board I, I used or I designed it for this reason it was good in the like it was a really it was really well done um, JJ Caldwell was kind of managing it all so she really understood yep. how best to package all that up so that was it was really cool like I, I really liked it um, just yeah just as I'll say like of course it's Ben's prerogative to do whatever he wants with what he owns yeah. but for me I just feel like 
yeah, there, there's this kind of well, that, question uh, about like he's a guy that had a big career in bodyboarding, yeah. who who definitely made you you would think did pretty well out of bodyboarding that, in then, the boom, then it, you know, and now that's an auction. But later. then again, I, I on that it's like you know we don't necessarily need that contribution for bodyboarding we like that that money doesn't have to go back into we we don't like like I was saying mm. before I don't feel no one's looking at us except us mm. we don't need to impress anyone true but us true true so even if that tour was to go back to one event yeah why do we need you know great if there's prize money yeah but none of us have been doing it for prize money no 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 whoever did I mean it helped yeah. In so you're part. just saying, like, you're really just saying, bodyboarding just isn't a professional sport ever. Now. Oh, we can, we you can crown a world champion, be sure. professionally within our own ranks, but we we're not a professional, like, sport where you know there is there's less, you know, there's you know, there's only a few people that. Are getting paid decent enough to to keep this going, yeah. go for themselves for a period of time, mm. not long. No, they don't no, have it's long. Very short-lived career. So it's we don't that money does we don't it, it's just not needed. Like yeah, but I mean it's like anything you could grow the sport with that money. That money could actually set up a more solid foundation. Oh, it could, yeah, so it could roll you know, over to the next year and make sure that event is definitely going to Yeah, or, or it could just fund, you know, it might it might fund grassroots activities for a couple of years if it was put to good work. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's an interesting thing. It's it's just a very bizarre circumstance for me. To, like, I never would have thought, if you had have asked me three months ago, oh, yeah, Ben Severson's going to auction off his boards. What do you reckon they're going to go for? Yeah. I just would have said absolute maximum, maybe $2,000. Yeah. I would have been like, the whole yeah. thing. For one board. I would be like, board. yeah, maybe maybe one of his special ones, someone will feel like, you know, really digging deep in their pocket and, you know, spending two grand. $11,000? Absolutely yeah, no yeah. way. There's just... it's It blows my mind that that was even... Like, I agree with you. The value of that board and... Like, but maybe you and I have a different perspective from our experience. You know, we've been inside the the monster. You know, we've seen inside bodyboarding. We kind of know it's yeah. dirty smells and it's discontents. And we just go, fuck, you know, yeah, righto. Like, we love it. We love doing it. But damn, we're not frothing on it that hard. Whereas someone on the outside looks at that and, and remembers a golden era of their lives yeah. and they, might, they you know, might have a lot of money too well yeah of course you've got to have a lot of money to make that expensive you know auction price but maybe it's just maybe you and I miss something because we don't have that froth that people have in the in the broader community we're just oh, a bit jaded nah we're seeing too I much like, I like <laughs> surfing a lot and there's yeah. no way I'd buy if I had the opportunity to even if you were to buy, like, if someone offered me Kelly Slater's world title board for mm. 500 bucks, mm. I wouldn't buy it. Mm. Probably stupid not to buy it, but mm. I just, it doesn't interest me. Mm. Um, and I, you know, even if it was 
you you the only reason you'd buy that board hmm. at five hundred is that you know you could there's probably sell someone it. else that could <laughs> sell it. You know that's what why. But if you know you'd have to make sure you have another buyer like that guy's yeah. buying to keep. Yeah, you'd think so. Yeah, they're not. He's not buying to resell. <laughs> well, maybe no he thinks. Maybe he thinks in ten years' time it'll be worth double. It's an investment. What do you think on that? I don't know, <laughs> but I'm open to anything. Like, I mean, I do not yeah. know, but I just, for me, I just think there's this beautiful opportunity to, to, to build a sustainable funding model. I, I think that there is a sustainable funding model, off. The legends of the sport who, who already made decent money as professional riders, yeah. I I think that there's an opportunity for them to do a final legacy, um, kind of gift to the sport, yeah, and help it back onto off its knees and onto its feet. Yeah, as long as, yeah. As long so as I think like, there's an opportunity there. For they sure. just need. I think the the. A good opportunity is for the APB to take back the direction of the the sport. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen at the moment. Well, there is the APB still exists. I think it's going through a new iteration where it'll be more focused on the promotion of bodyboarding and how best to just keep it moving forward with industry. Whereas I think the IBC is definitely going to be focusing on this world tour idea and this com- competition idea and that's fine they're the promoters okay, of those events okay world tour is in like more events yeah but like those it's basically comprising the promoters are, are basically formed their own union you bet yeah that's what it is I mean the IBC so they're, they're, they're set on having events all around the world again. yeah they are but yeah. I don't know enough I, I was the riders rep for a while and I didn't agree um, with a few people at the IBC and had probably too many arguments with them and um, uh, resigned. Yeah. And now so Amori Amori manages that relationship. I I stepped aside and I was too painful. It's pretty. But I'm it, working on pipeline with it's, Mike. It's concerning to me that they're going to. I don't know how they can possibly think they're going to pull it off. I don't know either, but we'll see what they're thinking. I think Fronton will happen this year, but it won't be. It's not going to count towards any title, yeah, but it will uh, happen. Also, that their their thinking is that we need to have a world tour. Well, around. a lot of writers still think that. You've read that article. Yeah. You know, it's still this underlying idea that there should be a world tour. I don't agree with it one bit. I agree with you on the one world championship idea, but um, there are writers the the majority of the riders that finished in the top 24 or the top 32 even in the APB in 2019 I know this for a fact most of them agree that they want at least three events around the world and they want to do it even though for the majority of them it will mean uh, financial (laughs) ruin but they're young enough to not care to I think that's the other factor like you're 37 are you? Yeah. I'm 36. We have a different view of life at this age. Um, and we have different priorities that we, you I know. think even... But a 20-year-old, like I think Tristan if, and that, if, they can burn their cash for a year. They don't care. Yeah, that that's you know? fine. But it's not, it, it's not conducive to where the sport needs to be. I agree. In 10 years' time. I agree. Um, 
I just imagine the lifespans of the riders will get shorter and shorter on tour. Well, you do what, what all it's going to do. They're, they're, the level of performance in competition is no different. It's probably worse than it was <sighs> ten years ago. That's your call. That is. You, my re- call. you really think that? One hundred percent. Okay. Okay. You you have a look at the level of what. Um, okay. For technical ability, mm. look at what Kingy and Lester did 10 years ago 12 years ago 15 mm. years ago I don't see one rider doing that right now they do backflips mm. they do ARSs and that's it to get through heats oh god some sound bites now coming out of you mate you're really not, unimpressed I'm I'm impressed by what they do but that's all they're being scored on have a look at that that double forward Kingy does in the barrel at King Island yeah. name one other rider that's done that I tried the other day but I failed how did you get the full spin? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I know what you mean. There's a technical level there that doesn't exist in competition today. I think the closest rider that I've seen do... There's a couple of riders that come to mind that have that in them and think that way. Yeah. Um, okay, put yeah. it this way. If we went back to Chopu now, right now, as it is, mm. do you think Ian Campbell could surf as good as what Ryan did in that Tahiti Skins event? Give me the answer right now. I actually think he could. Yes. I do. Doing that spin in the barrel on an eight-foot pit. I reckon it'd be a big call, but I reckon if he's... Right in, now. But in that... But I but think no, you've got to remember, that heat was really special, and Ryan was really okay. special too. Okay. If I, I wouldn't do compare that, them. You, okay, you can't compare it. Mm. But what about, what about this? That was... How long ago was that? 20 years ago. 20 years ago. Yeah. And we're asking, and you were like, I don't know. Yeah, I know. It's 20 years 20 ago. years ago. Come on. What were we meant to do? What was, what, where, okay, so why, so what do you explain this regression? You're saying that the, the technical ability, or not the technical ability level, because I actually yep. think the technical ability level is there, but you're saying the technical performance of riders has, changed dramatically hugely so what is it is it the judging is that what has no, driven it? It, it it was a generation of of riders that pushed it so far out mm. and were pushing so hard mm. and what what they did have then was there was more sponsorship and there was yeah. a little bit more infrastructure it wasn't sustainable mm. but there was because it would still be we'd be in a better position mm. if if it was more sustainable, mm. but there was enough money for enough riders mm. to at least do the the world tour, even though they were going backwards. But they had enough money, just and like, they could develop their level higher. Are you saying, or they could? What are you yeah, saying? Well, though, with the that, technical that was ability. twenty years ago. That level of riding then was is still on par with what is happening today. Like, yeah, put it this way. I'm 37. Mm. Okay. There's there should be guys that are 20 surfing remarkably better than you know guys my age that grew up with me. Mm. Remarkably better. Mm. You know, even if you look in surfing, like you know, there's obviously there's the top guys, but you look at like what that Felipe can do, what Gabrielle can do. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're doing stuff that. Mick Fanning can't do. They're doing stuff that yeah. Kelly Slater. He, Kelly Slater. You know they transform 
you know, in in waves of consequence, big waves, you know, yeah. that that stays with you forever. Mm. But the small wave performance, like Felipe and Medina, mm. um, Julian doing all the all those. I think you things. could say that Tanner definitely is one yeah, Tanner, rider Tanner, who I think whose technical Tanner, performances yeah taking but you it could beyond. say yeah. you know but Pierre ten years ago was still doing that true true um, Jeff Hubbard ten years ago fifteen years ago was doing that already what Tanner Epo does was doing ARSs thirty years ago yeah you know he was doing so, a lot of them too so then what the, so your explanation of this is what is your explanation my explanation for this? is is that by having this world tour that's dragging these people around the world yep. is pulling the performance down. There's if a... you got every single rider now to go to that one event, the level of performance would get raised and raised. Mm. Because right now they're only competing against 0 to 10 in what you said. Mm. You know, probably five people that can win the world title. That are really pushing it. Yeah. You know, which is sad because, like, there should be 20 people really pushing it. There yeah. could be more. I don't know. I just kind of feel like, okay, we're... Okay, the... No. Nah, there's, there's no one on the tour right now that could do what, what Ryan did in that event. No one. There still hasn't. Otherwise, they'd be doing it in free surfs. Hmm. Um, the, the level that Ryan, um, Kingy produced in um, the Shark Island, that big event. Yeah. I mean, where have you seen a level like that? Oh, I think there's glimpses of it, but I mean, I know, I know what you're saying. I think I'm not, and I'm not singling people out. No, no, no. I'm just I know saying that. the performance hasn't. I, I think there's a safety mechanism. I think what I interpret what you're saying is there's definitely some go-to maneuvers that get you the score, yeah. and therefore riders, because they want to make sure they win the heat they do their go-to manoeuvres. So Tristan will do two backflips in a heat and he'll most likely win the heat. Yeah. And he will stick with that formula because it will keep on winning him heats. Yep. Whereas I mean, back in the day, yeah. Kingy was shit house at backflips. Couldn't ha- do them. Couldn't hated do them. Hated, Could, hated, hated him, right? So yep. he had to do a different type of riding. So he was doing spins in the pocket. No, but he learned how to do them again. But he, he did, he I know. every minute of it. But that, yeah. the, the, the thing that I, what, I mean, what would be interesting is that, okay, what obviously backflips are performance move, but they've been around for a long time. Yeah, they've been flogged to death. Um, and what would happen if you took away backflips out, oh, out of competition? I'd, I'd love to see that. But what what type of surfing would be done? Well, would it be worthwhile? I think it would be. Yeah. I, okay. Then I think it would. And be. then if that's the case, it would be if you took away that move. You know, you'd really have to think a lot about what you're <laughs> oh, going to yeah. do. Yeah. You know, like, what am I going to do now? Instead of, like, going, I have to do two backflips on one wave to, to make it. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's just... A, it's... it's um... Well, I'd like to see it restricted. I'd, I'd just like to say, like, in a, in a judging format, I'd love to see a format where it says, you can only do one backflip in this heat. Yeah. And your second one will get zero. And therefore... You know, or your best backflip will be scored, your yeah. others will be zeros, and we'll continue zeroing out the other backflips, yeah. you know. And I'd like to see. Well, um, I think yeah, the, that's the how. Pool concept would yeah, do, the pool concept yeah. would do it for sure. But it, it, I, I just find it interesting, like, if you if if riders are really honest with them, 
selves and go, oh yeah, the level has been pushed every single year. Yeah. I, I don't think it has. I think that yeah. if you went back from the 2018 world title mm. to the 2019 world title and you got every one of those scores at every different location that they went to, they would be very similar in waves ridden. Mm. I think the one thing I would say that did strike me coming back into bodyboarding after being there with you back in the early 2000s was the riders today will hit massive sections and and like really throw their bodies into the fucking like stuff that I've seen Diego Cabrera do in Canaries like backflips that are just like into the flats on the left at Fronton and stuff that Moz and Pierre and Ian would do like he did one of the biggest backflips I've ever seen yeah. at the right at Eureka. Like that stuff is mind blowing. I don't think that was happening when we were originally on the tour. I just think it was a different style of riding. I, I just think honestly there was just a different style and there was this, and it was defined by Ryan and um, and Kingy and Lester and those guys really dominated what was good back then. Yeah, you know? I don't know. I think in competition, that guys have been going hard for a long time. Yeah, Tamago obviously has always gone hard, so I wouldn't take that away from him. But no, but Epo's uh, been Epo was doing massive airs. Jake Stone was doing huge yeah. backflips. Okay, like there, there's it, it hasn't been a point in time where guys weren't going big. I just don't. Yeah. See, Maybe I wasn't paying attention. See, you know, like I just yeah, you can't. I just think the performance level hasn't it should have bypassed a lot of riders already mm. it, it should have like there's a few that you know their base level of skills is very hard to you know mm. keep up with but you know that if you were to put Ryan back out of the box in pumping conditions with the top five right now Mm. Ryan's probably going to win. Yeah. In in a free surfing situation. Yeah. In a performance level situation. Mm. Well, you know, if you put uh, if you put Andrew Lester in a bowl surfing competition yeah, with yeah, the top five, outrageously fucking good at that. Unbelievable. If you put, you know, Pierre up against Pierre ten years ago, they're going to be pretty similar. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's an interesting one. You know what I mean, like Pierre today versus Pierre back then. Yeah, and you're saying they'd be basically the same. No, Pierre's obviously improved out of sight with heaps of different riding, but like yeah. as far as a competition point of view, you know, if if I put myself up against myself ten years ago, I'm probably go- I'm probably not much different. Hmm. Different, you know. So yeah, I just feel that the world type world. You think it's the world tour that's making this happen? I think it's stump progression, to be honest, because you you got riders only, like we said, five to ten that can potentially win it, Mm. five to ten that are there from start to finish, Mm. you know, and it hasn't for long. Even when I was there, there was probably only between five to ten that could actually win it. Well, I've I've toyed around once with like. In, in terms of trying... Because I for me, when I came back, it was about, like, I was looking at the level. And for me, it was an interesting thing, and you know me well enough. I'm a pretty cocky guy, and I'll say certain things mostly just to get a response out of people. But I remember I said to Alex Leon um, when we got to the last event of the 
year and I was and I qualified and I said you know I think I was having a beer or something so you know what Alex there's only two ways to look at my performance you know coming back after 10 years I said either I'm one of the best bodyboarders ever yeah or these guys aren't very good yeah you know like it's one or the other and his response was or you're lucky (laughs) and like but you know what I mean so I'd say that we are looking through our own lens too much. Yeah. We're yeah. not very good. Yeah. We're not. Yeah. That that's I mean, we're good for what we know. Yeah. That's I mean But I, I mean I'm talking more about the performance level because for me being out of it for ten years and being able to get those results and being able to get back up in that kind of bubble of top twenty guys in the world, it makes zero sense to me. Like I shouldn't be there because I know that... Probably not. No. 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 Like, it, it should be, be much beyond I mean. me. It should yeah, be it should, way it should, beyond me. It should me. be beyond you. Like yeah. I, like, even, you know, for me, like, when I'm, when I'm put in heavy waves and good waves, like, I feel like I'm going pretty hard, but only hard enough to be better than that next best guy. Yeah. And so, like... You know, I just our performance levels aren't getting pushed enough. Yeah. So in order we're to, going hard, but they're yeah. not like they're not pushed enough. But in order to get that level higher, for yep. me, it came down to one thing. Like, because I kind of basically did the numbers. Like, okay, most guys will get two sixes in a heat or two sevens, and they're going to make the heat. Yeah. So they'll play a certain safety level every time. Yeah. And there's no push to perform to a high level. And then it dawned on me, I was like, okay, imagine if instead of just rewarding points at an event for whoever won the event, imagine if you got bonus points for every 10-point ride you could get. So yeah. even if you don't win the event, you may still be building a lot of points towards a world title. Yeah. And this was within a world tour structure. Yeah. So like, maybe I got, maybe I didn't win the event, but I got three 10-point rides yeah. because I went... I did a spin in the barrel at Eureka on a yeah. eight foot left and yeah. you know like those points could actually raise the level yeah. on the individual sure. level yeah. and then the winner doesn't necessarily win by a huge margin they yeah. may only be in front by a couple of hundred points because they played it safe yeah. got to the final and won but that, that you know like yeah. you could actually encourage for sure but that yeah. that's where that you know one event where that every dog has its day can come through and win you can still play it safe to get through that but or no, do you if, think it would if, change if, everything if, yeah if it's one event yeah it's just every, balls to the ev- wall every dog has its day like you yeah, said I think so yeah and they and then you've got someone like Tanner who's probably the best yeah. you know right now yeah you know we'd like to see more of him obviously like mm. videos and things like that um He's probably the best. Mm. I could imagine Tanner not wanting that every dog has its day guy coming through and winning a world title. He no. will do everything possible to stamp practicing it out. wise. Um, mm. you know, I'm, you know, and there'd be a lot of riders that are not prepared to have the, let that one dog have its day. Mm. So, having that atmosphere where it's, you know, you can't. You know, let you know. Average surfing won't win you that title. Well, yeah, you you're gonna 
perform even more because like mm. every dog that that has his day on a world tour is not going to win mm. they just they're just not gonna mm. i don't yeah well i think we've definitely been very competition heavy in this discussion but to wrap it up i mean i, I hope people pick apart a lot of the things that you've said and really kind of break it down and i'm thinking of you dan dob um doing a bit of a meta-analysis of all this but i think there's something in there to to continue talking about because to me it's really important about how we crown a world's champion in this because to me it's just i don't like this idea like you about this just five guys kind of dragging the rest of the crew around the world so they Maybe can become they, they, they probably don't even think that and they probably no no they i don't think they really find everything i've said offensive yeah maybe Maybe. There's a chance, but I, and I think to myself, maybe I shouldn't stick myself out there that far and just say these things. But mm. in in reality, that's just what I I'm thinking. It's it's, it's just my opinion that I, I as a whole, I don't think the progression of the sport has progressed much further technical wise than mm. 20 years ago. Mm. It, that that's a shame. Um, mm. You know, you I think. If they're perfectly honest with themselves, they probably would say the same. Mm. Um, you know, if you look at, say, yeah, there's just a number of things. Yeah, there hasn't been the, the platform for, for people to progress further. There hasn't. So and you're not blaming the, the riders, you're blaming the circumstances. I'm, yeah, the circumstances are more more the contributing factor because they, they haven't had that... You know, if you're being pushed by a hundred riders versus five, mm. you know it's going to be a lot different outcome. Like our generation, there was probably fifty riders. Yeah, I'd say you know, so for sure. It was bloody competitive um, back then. It was super competitive. Like plus, we still had someone, Mike and maybe, Tamiga at maybe the top. Someone, so yeah. Maybe someone you should interview next is someone from that is in that top five and really grill them on what they think the. You know how was our performance mm. twenty years ago? Mate, how was our performance ten years ago? Look, don't, ask, don't tell me how to do my job. Yeah, ask, <laughs> ask Pierre. Like, what does he think? Yeah. Like, how how much? I don't tell you how to make boards. I'm not. I'm saying just. I'm just <laughs> telling. I'm joking. Um, no, but it's a good point. I think it's a worthwhile discussion because I think like. Yeah, like, as I've mentioned in this podcast, like, I'm actively, a, you know, a proponent of this one world title idea because I think it's the right thing for the right time. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely pushing that agenda. Um, but it's good to get your opinion on it as well and share that with the masses and get their feedback, you know. That would be great to hear from people about. But, yeah, coming back to the here and now, just to wrap things up, you know, like, what what does your year look like now with the COVID situation, like, what are your boards looking like? You're, you're still a board kind of company. You're still doing a lot of things. Like, what can people expect from you in the next few months? Because I won't probably yeah, do another just, podcast with you yeah, for a little while. I, I'm just my my whole focus now is with we've found is yeah. to produce the best quality boards I can mm -hmm. at the most affordable price. My whole th motto now is to build a board and have it at the most value, mm. repeat it, and bring more value. Mm. Instead of going up, I want to try to find out how I can bring it down mm. and still 
you know, make it a viable business. You're no longer in distributed through stores, though. Is that correct, or no, is that not in Australia? No. Not in Australia. So it's purely online now. Purely in Australia. online. Okay. And that's and that's part of your strategy to bring the cost down. Yeah. Yep. Um, what about the actual supply of boards? Um, I, I know there's a lot of guys that are into like asking when the next batch are dropping. Like, what's because yeah, I know board, that there's a lot of manufacturers who are struggling with this pandemic as well. Yeah, I'm I'm not too sure about all the other brands, but they're yeah I, I'll have boards in September and then yeah put in place for further orders down, so I'll have a steady supply of boards. Yeah. Um. And it's you know it it's for me it's just getting the best boards out there to as as many people as I can at the best value. Everything's tightening up for a lot of people mm. they're unsure um, surf surf and bodyboarding is a great you know sport you know to, to get away from all that mm. and you know if I can provide a board for $350 where you know another board is $450 mm. and they can spend $100 on their on their kids or mm. they're you know going to a shopping centre mm. And getting you know groceries for every you know mm. that's a, that's a big plus a big saving you know mm. Mm. and if I can do that I'm gonna do it mm. you know okay. I'll do it wherever I, I'll save the customer wherever I can mm. save the customer's money wherever I can. Mm.